Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Molly. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, our question for the day. Can you have an orgasm during childbirth? Yes, you can. And uh, I bet people did not expect you to say that. But that is uh, the unexpected answer that a few women are coming up with. And because this is such sort of a sensational question, that's why we decided to cover it. There are lots of things to talk about uh, regarding childbirth. And people probably don't think that orgasms are the number one thing to discuss. But I think that uh, this is a pretty interesting uh, finding. And this idea gained traction a few years ago with a documentary called Orgasmic Birth. And when you title a documentary Orgasmic Birth, you better believe that uh, some major media outlets are going to pick up on it, one of which was 2020. So 2020 did this segment on orgasmic birth, and I think the ABC ended up actually airing the entire documentary, which was filmed by a childbirth educator named Deborah Pascali Bonnero. And orgasmic birth is about... 11 women who have natural childbirths, and a lot of the women choose to uh, have their children, have their babies in a birthing pool. So they're in this, it looks kind of like a large um, hot tub at their house, and they experience very pleasurable sensations. Some would describe as orgasms while having a baby. And this childbirth educator uh, said that this is something that's more common that we know. That's why she made the documentary to bring awareness to this issue and to tell women that, you know, childbirth could feel really good. Another OBGYN, Dr. Christiane Northrup, said that an orgasm during labor is basic science because the baby's coming down the same way the penis came up to create the baby, that they're they're activating the same point inside the vagina. And, you know, plus you had all these uh, hormones that are going through your body during childbirth. And it's it's no wonder then that some women experience really pleasurable sensations. Yeah. Northrop describes these hormones that are released during uh, childbirth as molecules of ecstasy. And she's talking specifically about prolactin, oxytocin and beta endorphins. And Northrop is right. Those those hormones are released in a woman's body as the, the baby comes out of the birthing canal. But whether or not they're molecules of ecstasy <laughs> for every person, every woman, um, as probably a lot of women out there who have had children might attest, uh, is up for debate. And of course, when 2020 aired this orgasmic birth segment, it created a lot of controversy. The New York Times covered it. Uh, newspapers abroad covered it. Everyone was talking for briefly, at least, about this orgasmic birth because, and a lot of people were saying, these women are crazy. But I watched footage from orgasmic birth and lo and behold, these women do appear to be having orgasms. And I think, you know, that it's definitely happening. That's not necessarily up for debate, but it's a question of whether or not Orgasmic birth is something that should go hand in hand with these natural birthing processes. Right, because uh, Pascali Bonnerou said that one of her missions for making the documentary was to show how the hospital experience should be improved to help decrease pain for laboring women. Northrub, the OBJO I mentioned earlier, 
carried on to that and said that women need to learn how to relax, face their fears, lose their inhibitions so that uh, childbirth can become more pleasurable. And then Stroller Derby uh, had a really interesting response to that documentary that said it's really misleading to women to show that natural childbirth and orgasmic childbirth go hand in hand, that if you just learn how to relax and maybe do a little yoga and you choose to have a baby at home, these are all different issues that you have to consider just on their own. But she's saying if we teach women how to make those decisions and then they have to expect that everything will be great and they're going to have an orgasm and it's just going to be, you know, roses, that that's misleading to women, too. And so that was sort of, I think, what the outcry about the movie was about is does it uh, sensationalize natural childbirth and you know, is this even something you'd want? Do you, should we discuss it? You know, on the New York Times, uh, article that Kristen mentioned, there were like 600 comments on this piece. And one of them was just, why are we discussing this in polite society? So hopefully that person isn't listening to the podcast. Right. The very concept of experiencing something we would link with, with sexual activity with a newborn baby just seems wrong to people. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it generated so, so much controversy. And in response to all of those comments on the New York Times uh, coverage on the 2020 story about uh, the orgasmic birth documentary, one of the women featured in the documentary named Tamara Lartner wrote in to clarify things a little bit. Because when you watch her in the documentary, you see her husband kissing and caressing her and they're having these very intimate moments while she's in the birthing pool. And then all of this builds up to an orgasmic experience for her. But she writes in to say that there were chunks of time when there was no touching, but I was really surprised to learn that what I was taught was actually true and that kissing brings both contractions and eases the pain of them. It's not that just by you know, having these, uh, having all of those caresses, those tender caresses, it was some kind of bedroom experience. There was still the pain of contractions going along with that. And she also goes on to say that the orgasmic experience that she had did not feel like the climax of sex, but rather sensations, which were something different than sex, but similar enough that I feel okay using the word orgasmic. It was a wonderful feeling. And that's what was really interesting to me in reading a lot of these articles, Kristen, is that the article would always start with the term orgasmic birth. And then by the end of the article, they were just calling it a pleasurable birth, you know, and, and like uh, that woman said, it, it necessarily, it wasn't equivalent to sexual satisfaction, but it was, you know, really, really pleasurable. And, uh, and it was just really weird how it would start off very much equated with sex and it would end with, I gave birth the way I wanted to. I felt good about it. It, you know, it wasn't as bad as everyone said. And that's why I think, uh, Stroller Derby was sort of raising these questions of, yes, we can educate women that childbirth isn't something to be feared, but we don't have to jump automatically to, Oh my gosh, this is going to be awesome. Well, and Deborah Pascali Bonnero, who filmed uh, the, orgasmic birth documentary says over and over again that the point of the documentary isn't to build up some expectation in women's minds that they should have some kind of explosive orgasm as a baby is exiting their vagina, but rather that there should be more options available, childbirth options available for women, particularly in the United States, instead of automatically going to the hospital, laying down on your back and having to go through this intensive, she calls a time-managed 
childbirth experience and that when women are provided more natural options, for instance, uh, not having to be on their back, but maybe being allowed to be on all fours or being able to be submerged in a warm birthing pool, things like that, that it can reduce the pain that we associate with childbirth. Mm-hmm. That's what she said the lesson to take away is, but I don't think, I mean, this sounds, this might be the strangest sentence I've said, but I don't think we should minimalize women who have said they've experienced an orgasm when giving birth. And I'm thinking of one article from the Times in the UK that had a woman's uh, testimony of having an orgasm. And she, you know, was sort of laboring with a doula and having, you know, sort of doing it her own way. And she says it was exactly like having sex, that that was the feeling she was getting. She said her husband was just staring at her because he knew what she was, what, what was going on there. And um, she said that after the birth, she wanted to share with people what had happened. And the moment she told, you know, the first friend, they were like, oh, my gosh, you're crazy. And uh, I think that any time we tell a woman, oh, my gosh, you're crazy in regards to childbirth, that can be kind of, I don't know, damaging. So um, while I don't think we should say that, you know, every woman's ever going to have an orgasm, she said that it was really reassuring after viewing the documentary to know she wasn't alone in having this out of out of body experience when she gave birth. So while this idea of an orgasmic birth is very controversial, and I'm sure that a lot of women who are listening to this right now probably think this is the nuttiest thing we have ever talked about. But from a more clinical perspective, there are some OBGYNs who say that when you allow birthing to happen more naturally and not under such time, time managed uh, restraints, uh, restraints as they are in hospitals, that it does allow the experience to be more pleasurable. For instance, in that Times article that you're talking about, Molly, um, Sheila Kinzinger, who's a social anthropologist specializing in birth and the author of New Pregnancy and Childbirth, says that when a baby's head reaches the perineum, it stimulates an auto, a neurotic response known as the Ferguson's reflex. That is, if it isn't destroyed by her being told how and when to push. And doing a little research, yes, the Ferguson's reflex does happen, but whether or not that erotic response follows in suit mm-hmm. um, would also be up for debate. And then we also found a, a study called From, from Psychoprophylactic to orgasmic birth that also describes how those quote unquote molecules of ecstasy that Dr. Northrup, the OBGYN who's associated with the orgasmic birth documentary was talking about how those, that range of hormones that are released during childbirth can possibly produce those pleasurable feelings. Right. She, that article talks a lot about sphincters and how, all of your sphincters, when they are relaxed, uh, it's, it's much better. And when you're being, when you're, uh, having a very stressful childbirth, that's going to close the sphincters and make things harder on you. And mm-hmm. learning how to relax will make the whole process go quicker, more easily. May, may I read a quote? From of the course. Story? Okay. Uh, the the author Barbara A. Hotelling writes, This exquisite hormonal orchestration unfolds optimally when birth is undisturbed, enhancing safety for both mother and baby. Science is also increasingly discovering what we realize as mothers that our way of birth affects us lifelong, both mother and baby, and that an ecstatic birth, a birth that takes us beyond ourselves, is the gift of a lifetime. Which sounds great, you know. 
For someone who's never had a, had a baby, an ecstatic birth that takes me beyond myself, well, that sounds much better than, you know, painful hours of screaming and sweating. And she points out that such births are possible in the hospital. Yeah. But, you know, if you can work with a doctor, with a midwife to create the atmosphere that you need and want, that that is possible. And, you know, there are a lot of aspects that I hope we'll continue to discuss about childbirth and birthing plans and how we want the process to go um, in future episodes of the, of the podcast. But... Uh, we decided to start this way just because it is so, it's so extreme. It's, the idea it's of an, so sensational. I mean, I people mean, freaked out when they, a couple years ago when that documentary came out. And I think that you and I would both agree, Molly, after reading all of these sources, that really that stroller derby stance of not discrediting the women who report having these orgasmic experiences during birth, but also not creating this false expectation that that's what birthing should be like, mm-hmm. what natural birth specific, specifically should be like, might be the way to go. Yeah, I think that that was a really nice uh, stance to take. And, uh, you know, I guess at that point, this is the point where we'd open it up to listeners. Uh, and and judging from the New York Times uh, comments that we read and we, we mentioned earlier, uh, you know, I feel like we have a, an idea of how it will go. There are going to be those people who say, I can't believe you did this episode. And they're going to be the people who said this happened to me. And it's, it'll be interesting, I think, to see how it shakes out. So momstuff at howstuffworks.com is the email. And while you're at it, let us know what other aspects of childbirth you're interested in. And while we're, while we're here, Chris, we might as well read a few emails we've already received. Sure. I have one here from Dana, and it's about the Nanny podcast. She writes, I'm a 25-year-old female that grew up with nannies, and I think it was a positive experience. I didn't come from a wealthy family, but I had two parents that worked very hard to provide enough for a good education and home life. Growing up, my parents were both very career-oriented, and my mother was not going to stay home with my sister and I. We lived outside of San Diego for some time, and our house was a constant in and out of live-in Hispanic nannies. My sister and I loved it and quickly learned to speak Spanish. However, that only lasted a year, and we were off to Arkansas, where we all still reside. Even though my mother worked from an office in the house, she could not work 60-plus hours a week and travel constantly, plus take care of two young girls, plus run a household, so we had live-out nannies. I think the overall experience was positive. I don't feel like my mother was threatened by these nannies, and my sister and I got to experience adults outside of our family, often from different racial and economic backgrounds. I truly believe this helped shape our open-minded, bindedness, and social acceptance of anyone. Overall, I think what I came away with from this experience was that you could have children and a career. My mother is the most wonderful woman in the world to me, and I respect her immensely for showing me that I could do anything in my life. So thank you for that. Well, I've got one here from Jessica, and this is in response to our episode on female playwrights. And she talks a lot about um, the fact that revivals, the popularity of revivals, are one reason why um, female written and directed plays aren't necessarily getting as much circulation as they could be. But she also tossed out some fun facts about lady playwrights that I thought our listeners might enjoy. So she says, across the country, Sarah Rule was the third most produced playwright in the 2009-2010 season. Two out of the ten Pulitzer Prizes for drama winners from 2000 to 2009 were women. And the most expensive musical ever made, Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, was written by a woman. So thanks for those fun facts, Jessica. And, of course, if you have anything you'd like to send our way, email us at momstuff at howstuffworks.com. You can also head over to our Facebook page. Hit us up there. 
And finally, you can follow us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. And then last but not least, if you'd like to read what we're doing during the week, head over to our blog. It's Stuff Mom Never Told You at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?